by pledging $1 a day at kpfk.org. Become a sustaining member. Your donation is tax-deductible, and membership has its privileges. I am a member, so join me, Stanley Clark, in keeping independent radio alive. Donate to KPFK at kpfk.org, and do it today. You're listening to KPFK, 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. The time now is 1 p.m. The program that you're about to hear is a rebroadcast and has previously aired here on KPFK. Zone with Sonia Barrett. Everybody's talking about consciousness. Everybody wants that eternal kiss. Everyone's saying there's more than this. Everyone wants to follow their own bliss. Talking about one love, one blood, one life. On the Expansion Zone, we examine life and our quest to understand who and what we are and of the vastness of human potentials. We explore the making of our world from quantum physics to parapsychology, health, sociology and philosophy, along with practical living. You are reminded of the possibilities in creating personal change. So for an hour, we'll stimulate and expand the mind. Welcome once again to another edition of the Expansion Zone with Sonia Barrett. I'm your host, Sonia Barrett, and of course, welcome to another Monday. I'm going to say, you know, hopefully this is going to be a great Monday for you. Um, Times are different, I know, but we still have to make the best of, you know, whatever, at least in our personal world anyway. We do the best that we can. So I'm wishing you a great start to your week. And today's Monday quote is another short and sweet quote, but I think it says a lot. And it says, I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I have ended up where I needed to be. And that's by Douglas Adams, The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. So I'm, I'm going to kind of elaborate on that a little bit, at least from my perspective. And so today's topic is, Confessions of a BET producer, former BET and MTV producer exposes the entertainment industry secrets. So that's going to be very interesting. And of course, my guest is David Bradley, former BET and MTV producer. 
So before we bring him in, uh, I just want to go over that quote a little bit. I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I have ended up where I needed to be. Well, I think the fact is that wherever we find ourselves at this moment, and I think in, in any moment in our lives, uh, we must remember that there is something to be learned. That's what I have come to learn. There's always something to be learned. There's something to be understood, uh, to be shaped or reshaped. So each moment is always filled with opportunities, opportunities to discover deeper aspects of who we are. Our choices guide the way to every next moment in our lives. And so uh, I think an, an honest introspective in this moment will always show the truth of our stories and why perhaps we continue to repeat some of these stories. So once we own those truths, then our options will change, whereby choices perhaps will be different. So think about that. I know of which I speak because I sure have explored the idea of telling myself the truth. Sometimes I don't want to hear it, but, you know, it, it definitely has made a difference in my life in those moments when I tune in and actually see the truth of, of what's there. So now let's do the bio of my guest. David Bradley was a producer and show creator for Viacom owned BET. David worked as Dave Chappelle uh, rehearsal stand-in and set production assistant and set design team on NBC, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, Stunt Unit uh, PA for Spider-Man, for Spider-Man 2, just to name a few projects. In 2007, he began to lecture about sexual harassment in entertainment uh, industry and authored a book entitled BET, D-Brad and Me. And I think that was in 2007. Chronicling the, his experience of dealing with sexual harassment from the VP of the network as well as uh, the sexual harassment of women he witnessed firsthand. The book also explained how symbolism and myth methods in mainstream music and TV and film and its intended effect on the masses. All right, so without further ado, welcome, welcome, welcome. David Bradley to the Expansion Zone. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Definitely a pleasure. Good to have you here. Now, um, those are bold moves, you know, deciding to come out and, um, and really expose what you've seen. And I think the beauty is that you're talking from firsthand experience, not thirdhand or fourthhand experience, but from what you've witnessed. And I think particularly now, the information you're sharing is really, really vital. So I want to thank you for doing that. Now, uh, do we, well, let's see, do you want to probably give a little bit of, of, of background just as to how you ended up in that industry? I know it was after college, so you want to kind yeah. of set the stage for that a little bit? Yes. Um, I was lazy in college. My mother and um, I didn't know what I want my major to be, so I think I was like a junior. I was in student unions. I was in the Pan African Student Union. 
I was in the college center board only because I got a job working in the vice president's office of academic affairs and got cool with the president. So that's another thing I tell people. I know for a fact you could throw an election because I and you can win one because the president helped me win an election because he had an agenda that I could help him cover. And I know what it's like. So I'm like, college politics are not much different than out in the real world. Politics um, is politics. <laughs> right, exactly. And I know for a fact that that man walked me in there and said, this is what we're going to do. And this is what I need you to do for me. And da, 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 da. next thing I'm president. But um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mother always said all I ever wanted to do was have fun. And I realized she was correct. So I, I was into the house music scene. And I knew a couple guys in, in, uh, that were in videos. And I asked a couple questions. And then I auditioned for He Got Game the Spike Lee film. I actually won the lead role, but they gave it to Hill Harper because I'm 6'3", the main character was 6'4". They needed the main character to be short, but then that led to me getting, um, doing, ba uh, doing a standing role on New York Undercover with uh, Tommy Ford from Martin was doing it, and I'm watching the people run around the set, so I That got was a out. great show. It was a great show, and the only reason why I got out to ask questions because me and the main star, co-star Malik Yoba didn't get along because we got in an argument over basketball, and he got really sensitive on me. So I was like, whatever. And I get out of the car, we talk, and I ask questions. And then one thing leads to another. And then I decided I wanted to get into film and television. And then I used to go to New York and I interned for this independent film director that stole a lot of money from his sponsor. <laughs> and he left me holding the bag. <laughs> I will never forget that as long as I live. I'm sure you won't. <laughs> but it was funny. They weren't um, upset with me. They knew what he did. They said, wow, he's going to put the intern in front of us. I was like, hey, I don't even know what y'all talking about. And then I taught my way into MTV as an intern. And there is when I began to notice, because I would, didn't always want to be in TV and film. So it's not like this was my dream. I just did it. And there I began to notice that they would watch black entertainment television. And they would watch the video shows. And I, used to, and I didn't even watch the video shows. And then I would ask why they would explain to me that, this is how they could tell which black artists they would want to make mainstream. So if they see them playing a lot on BET. So I'm taking all this information in. And I'm inquisitive. I learned a lot. And that's pretty much what happened. I talked my way in and MTV. And then I talked my way into BET for a job. <laughs> I just called the producer, cold call, would not let her off the phone. Until finally she said, you know, just send me your stuff. And then they saw MTV. And you know how sometimes it can be like, oh, you were there? And I think I was like the first homegrown producer from BET that was actually at MTV intern, VH1. Um, so I've been literally the fly on the wall. Like I was, I met Justin Timberlake when I was a production assistant who told me what his career was going to be. I've been at the forefront. So it's really weird that I see so many different people that I was standing right by their side when these things were happening. I was always a fly, the, literally like the spook that sat by the door. Well, right, right. So you've seen the, the transformation taking place, the, the, the process. No, no, I didn't see it. I partook in it. You were part of oh, I was that a major process. part of it. I was a wow. major part of it. Um, but no one pays, people don't pay me a lot of attention because I, I surmise it's because what I look like. I promise you, I think if I was like 5'10", lighter, or I was a white male and I was saying this, I'd be like this huge guy. But, and then even dealing with sexual harassment, I think a lot of people don't take me seriously because I have PTGS, um, post-traumatic growth syndrome, where I took a negative and took it in my life and said, okay, I'm going to learn from it. Right. And I think that I'm supposed to cry, especially looking at how I look. Either I'm going to be hyper-masculine or I'm going to break down and cry. And because I handle it like, no, I have a beautiful daughter that would have never come if I never went through that.
You didn't right. you dig where I'm coming from. So right, I learned, right. I met so many. I was introduced to you during that time. The people that are upset at the feet of elders, I sat at the feet of Dr. Ben. You understand what I'm saying? I've sat right. at the feet of, you know, so many people. I've, I've dined with Al Gore. Don't ask really? me how I ended up in a restaurant with this man. <laughs> With them paying for my meal, by the way. <laughs> okay. I think it, it, it I, you know what? I'm starting to realize that none of that is surprising according to the personality of this, this young person at that time. Um, just, just hungry, I think, for experiencing and life is what it sounds like to me. And uh, you just weren't afraid. But that's the kicker. No, 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 no. That's the funny thing I tell people. <laughs> Entertainment, politics, sports, everyone knows your lineage. I did not know at the time that my cousin co-created Married with Children. I didn't know at the time that he was, Michael G. Moy was the writer for like all the 70s sitcoms. Hollywood knew. You understand where I'm coming from? Right. There were times that I walked into places and some, my nickname was D. Brad, which was short for David Bradley. Mm -hmm. There were executives that knew my name was David Bradley. That I had never met before. I met, I hung out with um, an Oscar winning actor who's actually jammed up right now for the exact same reason why I stopped hanging with him. This man knew my name was David. He knew he never called me D Brad. I introduced myself as D Brad. My tattoos say D Brad. It does not, but he knew my name was David. But I stopped hanging with him for the exact reason why he's going to court right now. So <laughs> I even spoke about Harvey Weinstein. I spoke about Bill Cosby and this dude right now. Because the reason why I stopped hanging with this Oscar-winning actor is because we were in a club, club bed in Miami, and the dude was darn near like literally, physically, sexually groping these women, and we the only two brothers in that joint. I'm like, yo, dog, what you doing? And right. his response to me was, oh, Dave, I'm just having fun. Mm. And I looked at him, and I walked away. And, and you know, this was a, this was going to be a bad idea. But why do you think when you say um, they seem to know your name? So are you saying that the connection between you and your cousin, even though you didn't know it's known, because is the, the industry based on um, a lot of connections with relatives or, or? Yes, they know. They know. It's, it's kind of like how I view it. Is, like a network. Well, it right. is a if, network. But think about it. If you took over, wouldn't you know who was who in these important positions? You would know who's related to everybody. You would know, you would know, and there would just be some that you go. And on top of it, I come from a family lineage. My, I come from the Olmec tribe. So my family, technically by Western civilization history, were Native Americans. I have a family seal in, New, in Connecticut. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I come from, it's just that whatever happened in my family history, it was forgotten. But the people mm. in power didn't forget. Because there's right. no reason in the world, like when I was a child, my best friend was a white kid that just popped up out of the blue. And mm -hmm. his father used to literally show up out of the blue and would know wherever we were. And I remember saying to my parents, it's almost as if someone put him in my life to keep me out of trouble, you know, the typical black kid thing. Right. Because that's what it did. And then the moment we graduated high school, our friendship ended. And to this day, he won't come see me because I worked mm. with his wife, who was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And his father is a, so my family was being watched. So my story's a little bit different. They were, mm. we were watched, my family was watched and they knew who the children were and they pick and chose which ones to say, let me give you this advance and let me see if you're gonna take it. So you said your family was being watched. You wanna... 
Yes, <laughs> yes, a lot of it. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. When you look at celebrities, every celebrity is related to someone that has already been there. Even in like wrestling, John Cena's father is somebody major in wrestling. But you feel what I'm saying? Like I've been right. for years. Usher's father is Ben Vereen. And I promise you, if you look at the photos of them together, you go, holy cow, that's his dad. So everyone's related to somebody. And I have to be related to, I mean, think about it, who I said Michael G. Moy was. Mm -hmm. Just married with children alone, you understand who I would be as his blood relative following behind him. And, and, the, and, and okay, so I guess you, you sort of explained the purpose of that. Now, you mentioned about the perception that is being created. The, the people believe what they see on television. And it sounds like that is, of course, a major part of the structuring and the shaping and the reason why they sit and study in order to create a certain perception. Well, actually, you made a post yesterday that, got, that had me giddy, I think, because I thought this is going to be a fun talk. Because the funny thing is, what we're dealing with now is a supposed advanced science that these other beings knew before. And people don't get it that the most highly advanced science is your soul and spirit. They don't get it. They don't get that their mind, that's the advanced science. So I speak from this perspective because as a young production assistant, I played with symbolism, but I didn't realize what I was doing. I would, when I would produce the rap, the shows on the, at the station, I would send my friends shout outs every day in the show. Each friend, like I had one friend who liked Corvettes that day, the scene, the backdrop would be a bunch of red Corvettes. Mm. And I would spell out my township in each segment in the show. Each segment would have two letters. And so by the time you got to the end of the show, my township, there were artists that I would do subliminal programming. But I didn't realize I was what doing you were doing. Funny. I thought it was like, yo, this really works. So then what happened is after a while, it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. And then I worked in news. And I knew that every news editor has an agenda that they push that we all have to follow. I know that if, like, if you go get the Daily News, New York Daily News, and you open it up, it makes a complete sentence, the front page to the back page, based on what the news editor's agenda is. So I began to think to myself, well, what happens if people are doing this and they don't have your best interests in mind? There's a problem. There's, and that's when it hit me, like, holy cow. Because if I'm able, for my little production assistant level, if I'm able to take millions of people that watch BET and make them believe that an artist like Eve is this major deal, holy crap. Well, yeah, what about yeah. the people that know what they're doing? And I would do this with artists, so I know it works. No one can tell me it don't work. And then I studied, and I began to, then I realized that Sigmund Freud had a nephew. I may say his name wrong. Albert Bernays. Sigmund Freud was Edward Bernays' Edward. Um, nephew. So he, oh, he was the nephew. nephew. Okay, yeah. I got it backwards. Thank you yeah. for correcting that. But so I read his story and I watched an interview on Edward, with Edward Bernays before he died. Right. And he started talking about, he laughed. Well, he's the master of marketing. He's the father of, um, of public relations. Right. So when, I heard, when he told his story about being commissioned by Hollywood, being commissioned by the government to do the things he was doing, to see if the American public would, and he was laughing and said he didn't think it would work, but it did. And I was like... And, and isn't that relevant right now? Because we're watching this play out. We're watching people really drink the Kool-Aid of the perception Yes, being yes. created. In my book, I predict, I prophesy, I literally prophesied all of this. In 2007, when that book came out, even down to, I told black people, you're going to feel like you're back in the civil rights movement. 
it is not a Donald Trump thing either, by the way. Right. Um, so I and so I explained all of that, but I've often said I still believe because of what I look like, no one took it. It was like the powers that be were like, don't say anything. No one said a word, but no one's ever come out and said I was wrong. But it was like, don't say anything. And, I, and I've always said, I'm like, you know, if I look different, I think it would have been received differently. People would have taken it and said, wow, because I talked about all of this that's happening. I told people in the future, if you don't know the truth, when you feel it, you're going to be lost. You're going to mm -hmm. believe anything they put up in, on that television. And I know because I've done it before. And look um, at how big tech, look at the advancements in technology since that time. Since, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's rapidly moving. Yeah. So it's even the networking ability is even greater now to, to make these things happen. And we're yeah. watching it every day. And all you can do is just shake your head. It's, it's well, well, that's because I think the average person believes that they're not a useless leader to their leaders. The average person believes that their leaders care about them when they don't. They don't understand that it only takes 10 years to, to, to start to, for a generation to kind of form their culture. Right. So for me the past 10 years, the irony is for me the past 10 years, I wasn't in film and television, but I was in education. So, <laughs> all, so my daughter who's 12 came to me yesterday and said, hey dad, remember a couple of years when I first started school, you told me that I did not have to um, honor Christopher Columbus or stand up for Columbus. You were right. So it's funny because I have a bunch of children from the age of 15 to 25 Mm -hmm. black, yellow, green, Latino, white, that I was like this with, that are sitting around saying, wow, Mr. Bradley said all of this five years ago, and he was this exact same way. Like, I'm very, pan I, my best friend was a white kid, but he, but, which also shows me with African-Americans, you don't got to give up yourself to have a white friend because he, he rode skateboards and wore Vans. I wore Adidas and listened to Run DMC. He listened to Aerosmith, but there was a respect. Right. I was very pro-black. One of the mm -hmm. funniest experiences we had, we brought to see do the right thing together. And when Radio Raheem got killed, we leaving, and I'm angry, and I'm staring at him. He goes, hey, what are you staring at me for? I didn't kill Radio Raheem. I was in the, <laughs> in the, station, in the place with you. And then we laughed about it. I was exposed to this, that kind of a lifestyle. And then you add it years later with everything that I'm saying, and I'm like, the people aren't understanding. You're being played. You know what today is what's happening now? Remember um, War of the Worlds? Mm -hmm. I was explaining this to my daughter. There was a time where there was no TV. Everybody went by radio. And Orson Welles, being a great author he is, he had this great story where they actually had the American public believing we were being invaded by aliens. Right. And at a point where I'm not going to Candace Owens people and just tell everybody what they don't want to hear. Right. But I told my own 12-year-old daughter, don't you give your emotion to that George Floyd situation. Mm -hmm. You better start asking questions. And me being... I'm 6'3". I look like every composite sketch of, a, of, a, of somebody who stole something. I've never in my life been in a situation where I thought a police officer was going to kill me. So I look at the situation and I'm like, the powers that be are playing triple level chess. And these cats, these, the average person not even playing checkers. They're playing tic-tac-toe. And I'm just yeah. looking at them, you know, this, the mentality. That they can't win. You can't win if you're playing tic-tac-toe and they're playing chess. But yes, and I agree 100%. And I think like we're told about extraterrestrials, we're told about aliens, et cetera, et cetera, that they come from ladies here and there. No, that's not true. They're already here. This, this planet has already been taken over. And it's a very insect hive ant mentality because I study ants. 
And ants have this group mentality to where they all will go one way. And there will be yeah. a lot of them that have to die before finally one ant goes, wait a minute, we're all drowning in this water. Let's go over here. And then all the ants go, okay. And when I looked at America, it's like, wow, look at the culture. If you study insects, we live like insects. There's hive, you have a hive, we have this group mentality, we all serve, we all work to serve one city. The hive mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, so this is where we are. And, and then, people get very upset. Some people get very upset when you say these things. Um, and, I, you know, I think, I think that we as human beings don't want to think for a moment that we are that. And I think that's part of what's upsetting, um, along with the responsibility that comes with taking that kind of ownership of self. Say that again. The, that is what I believe is the biggest issue. People do not want to respond to their own abilities. It is easier for me to hate Donald Trump blindly than to sit down and go, okay, here are these other candidates. It's just easy to go, I hate Donald Trump. I'm going to be this right there. Or, so that's where we get this cancel culture from. Because it's way easier for me to just cancel Sonya Barrett without having a discussion. Because there's a high probability if we sit down and talk, you're going to prove me wrong. <laughs> you're going to make me go, oh, gosh, maybe... And that's why, that's where we are. So I totally agree with everything you just said. We, this, the bottom line is I do blame people like us though. Mm-hmm. Why should all the demons and warlocks have all the fun? But meanwhile, the mystics and witches and sorcerers and high science people, we sit back and we go, well, we'll just say, why do I have to be a watcher? Why do I have to be an observer? Like what rule is that? Because they're having all the fun and they know who we are, so they're not gonna touch us. And it's because it is similar to how I explain when it comes to the police brutality situation. I've taught people I'm in, I was heavily in the conscious African conscious community. And I don't ever, ever, ever recall being at an Adunde festival, being at some lecture with brothers and they're they're like, lady for the police. And they're going off. I don't ever recall the police running up on any of us. Like you do not hear of anyone from the conscious community getting beat up and killed by the police. And what, why, and what what do you think that why do you think that is? Because they because they do they have knowledge of self or they're aspiring for that. So when an officer deals with someone who knows who they are, he sees another human. But if you have no clue who you are, you're in a low vibration. Everything is vibratory, right? So they don't see that vibration. Because I've been in situations where it was three in the morning. And I did my social duty as a brother and stood by to make sure these brothers were all right. And these, these officers ran up on me. But guess what happened? Everyone apologized for an officer who was out of line and actually mm-hmm. said to me, would you like to come down to the station and file a report? This is NYPD, 135th Street. Mm-hmm. It happened to me. I got a half a Street. That's how all the hustlers, I got cool with them because the cops was busting them up. And I told the officer, don't you touch me, man. And that cop looked at me and he did not touch me and said, you know, sir, do you mind? So I tell people it's a vibration thing. The average person yelling and screaming right now that's angry has never had a really negative run-in with the police. Has ne- does not know what it's like for an officer to grab him up. The only people that really should have been that emotional was cats in the inner cities and brothers on the block. But if you were the average person, what are you yelling and screaming for? Why are you out here raging? Because you don't know anybody that's been killed by a police officer? <laughs> You, do, you understand where I'm coming from? Right. So the vibration and frequency that, that's being operated on, we're fifth dimensional now. And I tell everybody, mama nature gonna do what she's gonna do. You can either take the window or the stairs. What you gonna do? So you're either gonna cooperate 
or you're going to have all this happen, but it ain't got nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with anyone else that's on a high frequency. The same thing with COVID-19. That I considered like, I got that book, uh, Thanos, the Marvel, the Infinity Gems. That's what that was. You can't kill everybody at the same time because you throw off the balance of the whole universe. But I darn sure could give you a movie while I'm telling you what's going to happen. Well, we're always told. That's the interesting thing, though. We're, you know, we're always told um, because that's the game. The, the game is you, you have to disclose information. But it's just that people are so programmed and so distracted that um, they're not hearing that. There's there's selective pieces of uh, of language that they hear, and 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 it's already known that they will only hear that part. So yeah. right, so the the keys that are being given are the information, key points, the decoding information is not heard um, by the right. majority. But here's the kicker: that's the science behind. I presume the five percent in the one hundred forty-four thousand. But here's the funny part that I say to people like myself, you know, who want to get up and say what we know. The irony is maybe because we all know that this, this 3D realm is either is, is a half spiritual school, half prison. Let's just be real about it. This is a prison. Right. But this is a war planet. <laughs> right. So here's the kicker. For all of us who know, maybe they don't know because it's not their job to know because you're the one that's in last place. I, swear, I say that to conscious people. Don't be so arrogant because you might transition and look up and the same person you thought was dumb, deaf, and blind look at you like, you finally back? You finally made it? You good? <laughs> like, we might be the super seniors here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, so a lot of people acknowledge, I'm like, slow down because you really might, because understand, in, in other, you flip this to upside down world. So on an esoteric level, am I really that knowledgeable or am I like, the one who needed to learn because I know part of my esoteric story and I know that I'm here because I did some stuff I shouldn't have done. This is jail for me. I'm just running the yard. I've just been here. <laughs> my time is almost up. So it's time for me to like, all right, let me do what I need to do. So that the PO people be like, yo, I can get out. You know, you did your work. Like literally I'm here in jail and there's a lot of us, but everyone's here for different reasons, which is why people get to do what they do. And right. Like, yeah. Everybody's here on their own agenda. I mean, yeah. There's, yeah, there's different yeah. reasons. So, you know. so what you said, paying it forward was like that's what you do. And I explain to people every Friday I can come steal your money, take no, take money out your paycheck. But if I'm seeing like I'm gonna take your cash, and you love the way I do this, well, when I take your money from you, ain't nothing gonna happen to me. There's no karma. I told you what I was gonna do. You just like the fact that I was dancing and I did this when I said I'm gonna take your cash, yeah. and that's what people don't get about what's happening right now that we're calling the elite is that like no and that's what people don't get about this whole thing with donald trump it's the rules of the game or, or what i like to call it um reading the terms and conditions which is what people don't read is the terms and conditions of the game yes yes <laughs> but then you accept it though you don't really re like we do with our phones and everything else you just want to get past it Download the software. Do you accept the terms and conditions? We just want to use the software, so we just click accept. But yeah. if you stop to read it, so you know, so it's it's all the same thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. We are just um, this right here. First of all, as I explained to my daughter, it's order out of chaos. It, it has to be. It has to be. But well, it says on the money. <laughs> right, but it has to be. I mean, just if you look at how everything is created. Every yes, right. Or you've ever read every creation you've ever may have seen. Maybe you can go to the Akashic records. I don't know. 
but it was all out of chaos. So what's happening now has to happen. Um, my biggest thing was that I tried to explain, in particular to black people, so I don't want to cut anyone else out of it, but my effort at the time was taught because there were young white people saying what I was saying. There mm -hmm. were the William Cooper, he was older, the William Coopers of the world. But right. in black America, we call it all conspiracy theory. But I used to tell black people, well, the, the Tuskegee experiment was a conspiracy theory, but they actually did it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. everything, so I tried to break it down in a way, like even with the deal with black women feeling like they're being attacked, I said it. I said, listen, this is what's coming down the pike. Women are going to be attacked. Not just black women, women in general. The whole key would be to make you not want to respect the like that male across from you. And right. when, then as well as explaining my experiences of dealing with sexual harassment. And it wasn't really about me, because I'm a man. I, I believe in gender roles. I'm sticking with it. It is what it is. And as a man, I could handle it. But what threw me for a loop was watching the women go through it. it was like, yo, like, this is crazy. The entertainment industry and politics, <laughs> when it comes to that harassment, is insane. Yeah, but insane. isn't it more, uh, I mean, there's a point where it's really about this sort of uh, this ritualistic um, aspect of it, symbology. There's the harassment and then there is something else, you know, yes. in the bigger picture. Yes, but the thing is, what you're talking about, the, uh, the symbolism, symbolism of it and everything else, that is the very top. That's the apex of it. That's, right. That's Everyone the, else yeah. is just a bunch of losers. Right. Like, if you, like I tell people, if you look at everyone that you see that's being, every guy that's being out for being rapey, right? If you were to go back to college and high school, everyone would say, so-and-so was corny as hell. Harvey Weinstein, they'd be like, what? Harvey was corny. He didn't have, they all about, because majority of the people in there are losers. They are people that did not achieve, have something to prove, or I did not get a bunch. I've heard different males say this. Man, I ain't, you know, I'm making it for the time. I ain't get girls when I was in high school. Right. Yeah, that's why you're so rapey, dog. I get it. You understand? Right. But so, now money sort of buys that opportunity, at least in their minds anyway. Yes. And then here's the other problem. And there's going to be people that are not going to like to hear this. I've been in enough situations on my own where I put women with sexual harassment in the same kind of line that I put African-Americans in racism. There are a lot of women that play in that game, that play that. So there's 20 women, and I will say literally 15 are going to be down with whatever because in their mind, I'm going to get ahead. The problem is for those five women that go no. You understand? The dude is not going to really see your no because I just have been with 10 women. Trust me when I tell you more than on one, I can count on more than one hand the times that I've had to tell a young lady, like, yo, you're my intern. You don't got to do that. You, your work was great. So what a lot of women in regular society don't get when they get when they hear these stories that a lot of these women placated. I've seen women let a man come and rub them down and been looking at her like, yo, why you let him do that if that was uncomfortable? And then he walks away and she's oh, he's so creepy. And I'm like, what you let him do it for? So I tell my 12-year-old daughter, even with me, you have the right immediately to say, that's uncomfortable. Right. Without Absolutely. worrying about repercussion. I, I mean, there's that part that I was talking about earlier is that moment of know thyself, that moment of um, truth to self ownership of aspects of this and i think as human beings most human beings black white pink or green yes, yes. tend to have a difficult time with mm -hmm. owning some things because it's too big it's too much 
you don't want to take ownership of that. So it's easier to yeah. sometimes yeah. see that it's an external thing happening, you know, yeah. to you. We don't, we don't, this society won't acknowledge a lot. Like I, I, the same thing in my book, I'm gonna do it again. Even though I was 15 years ahead of everybody else, no problem, I'm gonna do this again. I think that I said in about another year and a half, this whole, the psyche of the country is gonna be on, on, its, on its rear end because whether they like it or not, it's coming. So they better batten down the hatches because in a, in a moment, all these people that are idol that I love their idols are gonna wonder how their favorite idols lived so long with so much and gave everyone else so little. They're gonna realize your favorite idol was in his little children. You're gonna realize your favorite idol was a thief, was a this, that, it is all coming out. Well, it's, it, you're right. And it's been and, for some years, gradually, gradually, gradually. Well, what, what I'd like to do is I'd like to go to break. Um, we're gonna take a break. And then, you know, when we come back, we'll, we'll pick up. So stay tuned and we'll be right back after this brief message. <laughs> Hi, this is Lisa Gar, inviting you to join me every Wednesday and Thursday at 1 o'clock for The Aware Show as we continue to bring you cutting-edge interviews about health, spirituality, and self-awareness. That's every Wednesday and Thursday, 1 o'clock on The Aware Show. Hi, everyone. I know you've heard our fundraisers and likely thought, yeah, I should likely give something back to KPFK. Well, now's the time to do it. We all understand the value of separating luxuries from necessities and deciding what's truly essential. KPFK is one of those essentials. We provide in-depth, cutting-edge, intelligent coverage, and it starts with our amazing staff and volunteer programmers and with your financial support. Contributions from our listeners add up to the largest share of funding that pays the bills here at KPFK. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, encouraging you to become a KPFK Sustainers Circle member now. A sustaining contribution of just $20 or more a month is one of the most popular levels for our donors, and it takes just minutes to contribute. Just go to kpfk.org slash support, then click Sustainer Circle, or call 818-985-2711. Thank you so much for your donation to KPFK, radio powered by the people. And you're listening to The Expansion Zone with Sonia Barrett, and I am speaking with my guest, uh, David Bradley, and we are having a vast discussion um, about a great number of things, but actually it's about uh, confessions of a BET producer. He's a former BET and MTV producer, and he's exposing uh, secrets, things about the entertainment industry, and and really, in all honesty, in, in terms of also how that all spills over into the world that we see today. All right, so let's pick up from there. And 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 Hollywood is a great reflector um, of reality because people like to model, as you say. And I'm going to throw this at you, and then you can. Re- and I'm going to throw this at you, and then you can respond to that. What we see are celebrities coming on saying, we're all in this together. 
you know, stay at home. Uh, and I think to myself, it's so insulting that you think that because you bring these celebrities on and they tell me to stay inside, we're all in this together, that I'm going to go, oh, okay, okay, now I'm on board for this. Now that Tom Hanks has said, do this, I'm going, okay, I'm going to do it. And <laughs> I mean, so, so you have to look at the fact that that is what they're suggesting, though, because yep. they know, based on everything you've said, they know how the, pub, the public responds to these idols. Yeah, well, one, I want to add really quickly. I did all of this in 2007. So I just want to make sure people understand. I'm not new. Uh, and then the second one, yeah, you're 100% correct with what everything you just said, except the people do listen. And, like, the fact that someone like, they, that they're so arrogant that they'll put, have the audacity to put Tom Hanks, pizza-loving, hot-dog-loving Tom Hanks, you're going to tell me what? <laughs> you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, and people are going like, to say, oh, no, he is just making this up. They've created an image is what you're saying, a perception. And here's the beauty of it all. I've sat with, a lot, with, with the, some of the entertainers that I've sat with, chilling, smoking a blunt, whatever we doing, where they're like, man, you know, the conditions of America. Man, please. They were about their next paycheck. They make sure they're going to get on. They just want y'all to go watch this stuff and this, that, and the third. They know they have influence. So Tom Hanks had the influence so he can give a whole PSA standing in front of a prison door. Because they know we're not going to look up and see a barcode at the top of the door. They're not, they know that we're not going to say, well, why is Tom looking like this? So drawn and all oh, because he's been in prison. He's been locked up. But they don't know this. They know that they can put Oprah Winfrey on the, on the screen and she'll tell us something. And the average person's not going to look at her ankle and go, what's that big square bulge on her ankle? And ask questions. Because they know we're looking at Oprah. We're not realizing that. Well, Oprah is probably on house arrest or something. You understand? So they, they know that the average person doesn't see, but what's going to happen now is they're going to see. And, I, and the one thing I can't wait for is when it comes time to meet the extraterrestrials. <laughs> you have to go there. <laughs> they've been telling us about out there. And I'm not a flat earther. I don't argue. I think that is a silly argument and debate. So what if the earth is flat? Is when it comes time to meet the extraterrestrials live on a flat or around planet. All I know is I got bills to do. My daughter, she don't care. She wants that little pair of sneakers she saw. So it doesn't make a difference, to be honest with you. But um, they've been, we've been told things that they're out there. Well, it's like, no, they're in there. They're in there. Yeah. There's more space inside this planet than on the surface. They're in there. It's just that agreements were made. <laughs> you know, that those agreements were made. Center of the planet. So it's like, we don't, I think like, for instance, I had a conversation on Facebook today with a, per with a group of people that were going on about the face mask. And, you know, and I was like, basically, it's a placebo effect. But okay, whatever, because it makes you feel better. But we're not being, I was like, if the CDC and the World Health Organization really cared about you, they would all just start talking to you about your diet and your life. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. <laughs> it doesn't come up at all, ever. <laughs> Never. Like, nothing comes up about it. Uh, nothing. Don't, no, no go in the sauna. Nothing. Yeah. But they won't do it. They'll they'll keep everybody arguing over the face mask. Well, it's it's it definitely cre has created um, what you call division. Which I mean, obviously, it, it's all it's always been about divide and, and yeah, conquer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, with 
the fact that yes, there's things that can be very brutal that I may say or my guests may say. So anybody who's who's if you want to hear more of it, then you can tune in. You can go to the website and watch the rest of it. But everything that we believe is a lie. I would even go on record as saying that we're always taught taught geographically and historically to look at another land when in reality, like I think we're actually living in Africa. Sorry. For my non uh <laughs> Africa time frames as, as far as like a lot of the, the writings from mm-hmm. all the different civilizations. This was the land that they talked about. Mm-hmm. This was the exact land that they, they spoke of, which is why I think most people that believe that they're immigrants are really not. Everybody, they're natives of the land. They're right, yeah, they're from the land. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of these things, majority of what we know. It's not really as I tell my daughter, do you think, or I tell any, or I would tell my students, people that have not been who I thought they were. I met a teacher that was a stone cold witch in my hometown and I called her on it and she called me into the room. It was like, well, how would you know? I said, because I grew up in the occult. That's my life. They yeah. know who I am. <laughs> they know yeah. who I so to me. This is like the movie They Live. Yeah, there's a reason why Hollywood and the MCU is releasing the immortals because they know the people are here. So right. they try They know the people are here. They, Remember when V came out? I mean, yeah. I'm not getting into that, but I'm just saying. But it's fun to talk about. The, <laughs> well, the stream of it. No, you know, that, no, it's fun to talk about. But, um, but I remember when, when V came out, V was for the, the visitors. But we've been given a lot of this stuff for years. I mean, going back to... What I don't know. I'm gonna say more specifically the the 60s, the 50s, the 60s. We started to see a progression. You mean more and more and more. So we. That way it was all people that walked out of there. Right. So I'm like, they're telling you all what's going on. But I got into that aspect because it was fun. Like regular science was boring to me, because even like when I teach, when I have to work as a supplemental teacher in science in schools, that science is archaic and outdated. For me, more fun. But the crazy part is I can go to the youth and I can have a better grown person. Mm-hmm. Because in their minds, they don't think it's that crazy. I can see them talk about extraterrestrials with my kids and you'll see all sorts of kids. The kid look like he hang like he sell weed to the kid that's a gothic to the kid. And we'll all sit and have this lengthy discussion about extraterrestrials. They'll say things that they've seen and events that oh, they yeah. you know but- watch at this point with all this happening because A, I've done my duty. That book is out there. Right, right. And then B, the past 10 years, I've spent time in education. I've right. spent time. So I've been able to talk to these children and, and get the sense of where they're coming from. And as I tell them, I admire them so much because they go so hard and they're going to be the ones that clean this up. They just, um, as not going back to regular things, right, as these, uh, the uprising show you, the only problem is that this young generation doesn't know the difference between an ally and an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell my students, you all think I'm your enemy because I won't let you cut class. No, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You'll get I'm mad. I'm ally. That's why. Me, you know what I'm saying? As if, like, I'm wrong for saying you can't cut class. I'm your ally because when you really get jammed up, who's the one that went to, your, went to the football coach and said, hey, so-and-so, so That was me. You understand? So right. it's like that's where I see this uprising is being usurped and is being taken over because they don't have the proper guidance. Um, They're being led by means and ideology 
as much as anything else. Well, what about if you notice, and I've talked about that a number of times, if you notice over the last several years, there was a string of films that came out and it was always featuring children. The children are the one. The children are the one that are going to, you know, do the uprising and the revolt and the pulling us out. There's been a lot of those films. And I thought, wow, has anybody not noticed there's, you know, Hunger and, uh, Games and, Hunger Games yeah, and yeah, yeah. this other one. Anyway, it was always about a group of children that they either moved to some place and they were they, they isolated them or something like that and then they have to try to break out or escape. Basically the Lord of the Flies. It's a, yeah, right. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. It's a, it's a, so it's a lot of this kind of thing. And what do they say in the Matrix? We never try to change, generally I'll try to change a minor after 25. Right. And, um, and, and we see why, because people get stuck in their, in their ways. They've been around long enough to be so programmed and so committed to their beliefs and habits that it's very hard to change our minds. Yet, media has such incredible influence over changing their minds. If it comes from a certain platform, people will easier, more easily accept it as opposed to maybe the you or the me or whatever. That's because that's a science of people not having, not, knowledge, not having knowledge of self and not understanding. And I saw this when my daughter was an infant. They play with chakra colors that they know can manipulate your thought process. They play with this, but if the average person doesn't understand themselves, doesn't understand uh, the difference between a sigil and a symbol, that a symbol is just a physical manifestation of, they're going to be led astray, which is why, for example, I kept telling people that Black Lives Matter being painted in yellow down the middle of the street is not a symbol. That is not a symbol. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A symbol would be you getting flags. A symbol would be you Something that represents... Right, 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 right. And right. a symbol is something that blends into the background. Mm -hmm. What that is, is graffiti. And it's written in yellow. So, the, so even the strength behind that is 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 not is you know the, the, what is what is yellow rep yellow represents fear yeah yellow means slow down so even the science behind that is nothing well we see wrong. that with the stoplights exactly this is so, why the stoplights are as they are right so if i know these sciences about colors etc 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 and you don't know i'm gonna have a field day with you and that's why people go for it because they will watch television they don't understand they're watching tele television it's called programming for a reason right but the average person, right over the head. Because right. it makes them feel good. It appeals to the dopamine level, I guess. you know. Because you say the five senses need to be um, attacked or they need to yes, be impacted. That's why they bombard us. That's why I tell people, American citizens don't know peace. The average American, based on this structure, has never spent one week where all they had to be concerned about was just being at peace. They don't know what it feels like because you're bombarded. That's what made me, now I'm jumping to political, as an as a african-american look at donald trump different because i was like why are you bombarding me with all of this negativity about this dude if he's that bad i could look and go donald trump's the worst so even all of when it comes to politics it's like i look at people and i'm going you're being misled i know he comes off as an a-hole i know he may come off 
where he doesn't have people skills. But jumping into politics really quickly, I, especially with the African-American community who hate Donald Trump blindly, I never can have anyone name me a policy or bill that Donald Trump has been behind or signed that was directly detrimental to me. Directly. But I can name you bills he signed that is directly positive for me. The black college, the HBCUs funding them. My baby's about, in about four years, she's going to be ready to go to college. I know that, I know that he signed a bill of education where they get rid of the, the lotteries to where if you want your child to go to a better school district, they can't do lotteries to based on your economic standing or your race or your gender, your creed, whatever. It's all testing. I know that he signed a bill to the outlaw the chokehold. I know he signed a bill dealing with prison reform. And so I'm looking at African-Americans like, Arthur, he signed a, a, a bill to, to give more money for funding for sickle cell. And well, he's he, not for vaccines either. I mean, and he's not for vaccines. And when people say, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine on Facebook who said Donald Trump has been horrible in his dealing with, with COVID. I said, the only way you can say that is if you believe COVID-19 is a hoax. But if, it's, if you believe it's natural, other than put you all on martial law and force you to get vaccinations, what else could he have done? The man is trying to give you all an opportunity to figure it out. So, and I'm not even a Donald Trump, uh, I'm not even a political person in that. If you don't even know your own freeholder, shut up and go over there. Don't talk to me about Donald Trump if you can't name people on your city council, if you don't know the school superintendent, if you don't know who's on the school board, if you don't know the people on the zoning committee. With, right, the local. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, don't talk to me about Donald Trump and who I should vote for. But so that's why I would get vote because I'm my main man. I'm they you know they support what I do in my hometown. All right, whatever because it's a game and I understand I'm playing a game. But at the same time, when I'm looking at the current situation, I'm looking at people going, "You guys don't get it. Like you're literally running yourself into a brick wall." Mm-hmm. And because you must stay on this narrative of cancel culture. It's what I say, and it's only going to be one way. And even if you show me that I may be wrong, if there's enough people behind me, I'm going to stay this way. And with reality, everyone's being manipulated on a spiritual, esoteric mind level. Oh, yeah. So the masses of people acknowledge that this is going to go on, but then that's where I think it takes people like ourselves and regular people who know to step up and be like, yo, I know what time it is, and I'm not going to let you talk me into foolishness. Yeah, and it's subtle, too. A lot of this is... A lot of the transforming of people's minds, um, people who don't think that they're being affected, um, it's also subtle. We have about a minute, about a minute or so. Now, if somebody says, we, I'd love to get a hold of you, where can they get a hold of you and also the book? The book. Uh, and and the video and the documentary. Oh, the documentary is on YouTube. You can just put in Confession okay. of a BT Producer. The okay. book is on Lulu.com. It's, it is called BET, D. Brad and Me. We have it's available for download. I actually stopped pushing it. I, I didn't, after about a year or two, I stopped because it was like, whatever, it'll be there. When I die, people pick this book up and say, oh my gosh. And right. I really only wrote it, honestly, for my daughter. So that at the end of it all, she can know what her father thought, not right. what everyone else said. Right. So that was why I wrote it. That was really it. Oh, and plus, in the, in the, book, in the book of life. Like when it all ends in Western civilization, I have a book, mm-hmm. the main modes of communication. So just right. the other day, I'm here no matter what. But it is available on Lulu.com and Amazon.com. Um, it is called BETD Brad and Me. It's much more than just this. I challenge science. I challenge the sun being a ball of fire because our sun gaze. Sorry, everybody. He gets fun. into everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so it's all fun. I get into JFK. I get into 
the Illuminati, I get into the boule, I get into all of that and explain how everything ties into exactly where we are right here, right now. Very, very awesome. And um, so thrilled to have you on the show. So thrilled. Uh, we're going to kind of continue a couple of bits and pieces here of this conversation because there's some things that I want to talk about. But anyway, thank you and thanks thank to you. the listening. Thanks to the listening audience as well. Uh, thanks to our engineer, D'Angelo Jones. And of course, visit theexpansionzone.com to check out the archive, to check out the uh, replay of this show as well. And to find out more about me and my work, visit therealsoniabarrett.com. And of course, as always, I like to remind you to live life to its fullest and question everything. Until next time, see you then. The program that you just heard was a rebroadcast. It previously aired here on KPFK. The Bradcast. Experts have said that the case has little chance of success at the Supreme Court. Much like the numerous other GOP election lawsuits that are pending in battleground states. But then again, those experts, they are just guessing. They are hoping. With your host, Brad Friedman, and producer, Desi Doyen. There's enough going on right now. There are enough X factors still remaining that that's one I'd rather not contemplate. Correct. You are, as usual, correct, Desi Doyen. Tune in to the broadcast every Monday at 3 p.m. right here on KPFK. Have 
Saigani. Join us for Black History Month KPFK fundraiser by Freedom Now and Move the Crowd. A conversation and book signing with Dr. Gerald Horn, hosted by our sister Dr. Melina Abdullah, happening Saturday, February 3rd, 2024, from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Center for Black Power in Africatown, Lamert Park. Dr. Horn will be discussing his books, I Dare Say, and Acknowledging Radical Histories. This is happening at 3423 West 43rd Place, 9008. Tickets are online at kpfk.org or at the event. Once again, that's Saturday, February 3rd from 1 to 3 p.m. Conversation and book signing with Dr. Gerald Horn. We'll see you there. Andrew Tonkovich of KPFK's weekly literary arts show, Bibliocracy. Support this program and the station by hitting the online donations button at kpfk.org.